Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening today. Uh, I am Pastor Brendan, and joining me today is Pastor David. Hello. And this podcast exists to encourage us and all of you towards two things. We want to consider and chew on the words of Scripture, and we're also uh, applying that Scripture to our lives. And this month, we're in the book of Proverbs uh, in our Emmanuel podcast. We are in chapter 27, and so we're going to read that now. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, an outsider, and not your own lips. Stone is heavy and and sand is a burden, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. One who is full loathes honey from the comb, but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. Like a bird that flees its nest is anyone who flees from home. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family, and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. Be wise, my son, and bring joy to my heart. Then I can answer anyone who treats me with contempt. The prudent seek danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Take the garment of one who puts up security for a stranger. Hold it in pledge if it is done uh, for an outsider. If anyone, loud, if, if anyone loudly blesses their neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. A quarrelsome wife is the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or grasping oil with the hand. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. The one who guards a fig tree will eat its fruit, and whoever protects their master will be honored. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are human eyes. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but people are tested by their praise. Though you grind a fool in a mortar, grinding them like grain with pestle, you will not remove their folly from them. Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. When the hay is removed and new growth appears and the grass from the hills is gathered in, The lambs will provide you with clothing, and the goats with a price of a field. You will have plenty of goat's milk to feed your family and to nourish your female servants. All right, so Pastor David, uh, there's definitely some famous uh, proverbs in this one, but what were some of the ones that were were humming for you? Well, um, before I get into that, what do you think uh, 21 means? (laughs) Okay. The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold, but people are tested by their praise. You know, that's an interesting one. It, it reminds me of, uh, of the New Testament passage, which, which kind of talks about being tested by fire and, uh, and how, you know, only, only gold remains and the chaff is burned away. But this is saying that we're tested by, uh, people are tested by their praise. And I guess that means... Essentially, what what people other people are say about you when you're not around, when when people are 
potentially praising. I don't, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting idea that we would be tested by our praise. So, if you think about the furnace for gold and the crucible for silver, and then our praise tests us. And I, so, I think it means um, our ability to give praise in those kind of high pressure situations, and whether our praise is. Uh, like pure gold or like pure silver, whether our okay. praise endures. And but, so you're talking about worshiping God when I was kind of interpreting it being praised what, by others. What we're praised for. What we're praised for. Okay. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Either way. I, yeah. think it, I think it kind of works both ways. I think that uh, um, when people praise us, how do we receive it? You know, it's um, some, sometimes you receive praise and that becomes, that's a high pressure situation. So yeah. I can tell you one of the hardest things when I was a very young preacher was when you'd stand kind of at the back and people would shake your hands and they'd say, oh, that's a good sermon or, you know, that's a good sermon. And, uh, and you, it's hard to know what to say. Yeah. You, know, you say like... Because you don't want to be like, yeah, I know. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was, the, it yeah. was the best sermon ever. Yeah, I'm, I'm, awesome. I'm great. Yeah. You, you, like, you can't do that. Like, that's, that, if you did that, I think that they would stop saying that was a good sermon in relatively short order. Um, which shouldn't matter, but you know, you don't want them to say that was a, that was a terrible sermon. Right. And so, uh, the, and so you say, um, how you receive that praise, like when, when people are praising you, do you receive it graciously? And, yeah. um, that's a, that's also a test of one's character and whether you let it go to your head and whether you say, okay, well, that person said I have, I had a great sermon, so I'm done. I can stop working now. I can just keep, you know, right. uh, coast on what I've already done. Or if, you know, if you sing and worship well, and somebody says, you know, that was a good worship set, you could just say, okay, well, I'm, I'm fully cooked. I don't need to get any better from here. Um, right. And I think that would be one bad way to take it. But another bad way to take it would be to completely deflect, you know? So a lot of young mm. preachers will say, oh, it was nothing, and they'd completely deflect it, when in reality, like, that is a gift God gave you, you know, preaching sure. or singing or whatever it is you do, teaching, just whatever it is you're doing. Uh, that's the sound of Hampton Roads yeah, coming out right. of our podcast. <laughs> the jets flying over our head. So uh, I think I think that there's a lot of ways you could take it, um, but the um, the way we give praise I think is a test of our character, and then the way we receive praise is also a test of our character. It's just an interesting verse that kind of yeah popped out at me as I was reading it and thought yeah you know it's one it's certainly one that I haven't spent a lot of energy thinking about, but now I feel like I need to. It could be yeah, and it could be the possibility of uh, people who are tested by their praise of, of God. And yeah. like if they're if they're worshiping God, like then that's testing. I mean that that makes sense in that like what we worship defines us, mm-hmm. and we become more like what right. we worship. Um, so that's an interesting concept of how you know uh, the furnace shapes the gold, and our praise of God, our worship of Him, shapes our hearts. Yeah. And then 17 is one that I have spent a lot of energy in my life thinking about and working through is iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And I think that um, for, we talk about this in men's ministry a lot, but you know, it's not just men's ministry, it's any kind of ministry where... Yeah, why is that? Yeah, well, it's swords. Because <laughs> it's like manly. It feels manly, manly that's swords right. Swords yeah. and iron. Um, okay. And so it, it feels it feels like it's uh, something that men would relate to and... Whenever I talk about it, I talk about it, it's like kind of two swords kind of working out, honing their blade together. You yeah. know, if you, if you, if you take a sword, why does iron sharpen iron? Well, because it's been used, you know, it's been nicked up. It's been, uh, it's been a sword in battle or even a shovel in the field. You know, it's, it's, 
it started out perfect and then as you've used it it's taken on nicks and bends and bows and so honing it is getting all the little metal bits pointed in the same direction again mm -hmm. and i think that kind of when i think of iron sharpens iron that and then also it's not a nice process yeah and i'm sure the sword doesn't appreciate being like banged back into shape like if the sword were a person it would say please you know don't bang me back sure. into shit. Let, let me let me be with my injuries but it's not it makes the sword less useful yeah. And so I think about, you know, in ministry, when we do these kinds of one-on-one, life-on-life ministry, it's a hard process, and it's required, and, and everybody needs it from time to time. Everybody's got to be kind of bent back into shape from time to time, because use yeah. wears us out. I love the mutual expression in this. It's, it's, not, it's not one person sharpening the other. They're both sharpening each right. other in the same process, and that... That to me is a lot more of a beautiful picture, and and you know sometimes may th people may think oh pastors they're the ones sharpening the other people or whatever, but that's often <laughs> not the yeah. case. Yeah, well, you know we're as as we're uh, doing life with others, right? You know, we're being sharpened as well with with uh, the the folks that are strong in the faith. Yeah, just as important, right? And yeah, and so uh, we we work really hard here. To make sure that we don't get into this idea that, you know, pastors are somehow arrived, like they've, the pastors made it. And so... Yeah. You uh, frequently say, yeah, I'm just a guy. I'm just you a know, guy. I, I love that. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, as just a guy, I make just a guy mistakes. And sometimes right. I get just a guy dings and nicks and things in my character that, that I need an iron to come behind or come beside and sharpen me and straighten me out on this or that. And I think that that kind of mutual straightening is... It's kind of the picture of what we're supposed to do. So uh, if that's the one for guys, there's one for girls there. How about uh, number 15? <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to set me up. Yeah, yeah. I'm make Tell sure my wife's not about, listening to this one. I'm going to make sure Jamie tunes in. What do you think about 15 <laughs> yeah, there? Yeah. The quarrelsome wife <laughs> is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. <laughs> and then you've got trying to... Uh, trying to hold her back is like trying to hold back the wind or grasping at oil with the hand. That's, yeah. There's, that's the, uh, similar to the other proverb where it's the guy on the roof and it's, he's saying it's better, better to live on the corner of a roof than to have a quarrelsome wife. Yeah, so but far then, you be know, it, that goes for both spouses. Yeah, far be it from us to tell women how to behave and all that. <laughs> you know, I have a wife too and I'm yes. not gonna, I'm not gonna, I think the, the proverbs are, Better to be self-reflected than somebody else reflecting it to yeah. you. So uh, I think that, you know, if you're a wife out there and, and you feel like this applies to you, you should consider it and chew on it and really tune in for Proverbs 31 done by uh, Amy and Karen got together and recorded that for us. And so that's women talking to women, I think, about women's issues. But I would say that in any marriage, um, if your wife is quarrelsome or your husband is angry, if you carry into marriage personality uh uh, hiccups and problems and things that you haven't worked out and matured on yet, it's going to affect your marriage. Mm -hmm. That could be quarrelsome for a wife. It could be quarrelsome for a husband or angry for a husband or, um, you know, there's plenty of things that, that were that, uh, withdrawn that, that typically apply to uh, our, our, our picture of men in our head. And if, if we carry those things into our marriage, well, it's going to be like a leaky roof in a rainstorm. It's when the rains come, it's going to irritate. It's going to annoy. It's going to cause trouble. And so take care of your marriages, guys. Take yeah. care of your marriages. And if you're uh, out there listening and you're a woman, 
take care of your marriage. It's, it's all of our responsibilities to make our marriages awesome. And, and so when you look at yourself, you look in the mirror, you look at Proverbs and you say, um, who am I? Uh, who, who am I today? And am I contributing positive things to my marriage? And if that answer is no, that today you're, you're not creating good in your marriage, well, then work on it. And if that's quarrelsome, wife, that's, that's for you to decide. I'm not here to assign that to anybody, <laughs> uh, especially my wonderful wife who is never quarrelsome. <laughs> okay. And uh, moving on before we continue to put our feet in our mouths. Um, what you, what'd you think about this hierarchy of, of, it, it almost seems like a hierarchy of, uh, like intense emotion in, in verse four, you've got anger is cruel, fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? I mean, jealousy is like elevated to this, like the most intense, the most destructive kind of form of this, uh, of, of negative emotion. And, and not saying that anger is all, and fury, they're not always negative. They can, uh, yeah. so I, I would say jealousy forms. is are always negative. Well, so we, that could be one reason why it's kind of seen in this hierarchical. Yeah. I mean, so, so we see in the Bible that the Lord is jealous, right? Yeah. And so... That's a positive kind of jealousy. He's right. jealous for his creation. And I would say that, like, um, typically the way we talk about jealousy in the world, it's certainly negative. Fury sure. as well. Like, you know, there's rarely a situation where fury is the right response. But, right. I mean, imagine if somebody was being cruel to children. Fury might be the right response to that. Like, yeah. Uh, anger and then fury. Um, and jealousy, like we want to jealously guard the things that God has done for us in our hearts. Jealously guard the truth that God's given us. That's a positive way of using that word jealousy. That's a good, that's a good point. Uh, but I think yeah. this verse is definitely on the, I think it's, it's pinning on the negative side, right? Yeah. So it yeah, says yeah. anger is cruel. Well, cruel is not good no matter what. Fury is overwhelming. It's bad to be overwhelmed. We don't want to be overwhelmed. And then jealousy, who can stand against jealousy? Well, I think that just pointing out these negative emotions. I think the idea, the proverbist, uh, uh, Solomon is sitting here and he's saying like, um, there are these emotions that are bad for you. Like that if you live mm-hmm. in these places, if you live in anger and fury and jealousy, you won't stand. It'll be cruel and you'll be overwhelmed. And I think that that's, I think that's what he's trying to get. I think there is a hierarchy there. I think you're seeing yeah, it. Yeah, right? like jealousy is kind, is of, kind of elevated, of the worst of mm-hmm. it, where it's like, you know, jealousy, you also kind of have that sin of covetousness, you know, coveting yeah. in there. And, and that kind of, it's it's kind of heaped on with this negative, you know, I almost feel like it's where coveting meets, like, hatred and anger. and like Yeah, they talk and, about jealousy being, like, the idea that you think you should have something and somebody else shouldn't, right? Right. Like, and so all of a sudden you're getting into that compare game. And you always lose when you compare. Yeah. You know, like, so I would love to be able to sing, but I wouldn't take somebody else's ability so that I could have it. You know what I mean? I want them to be able to sing. I want them to enjoy it. And me comparing myself to somebody else's ability to sing, it's not, there's no, there's no value in that. Yeah. Because what if I'm better than them? Well, okay, uh, that's fine. But like, it doesn't, does that make me feel superior in some way? What if I'm worse than them? Well, I'm not, it's not a competition. It's not a race. And so it's not like we're trying, like, I just want to be able, I just like singing. And I want to, when I sing a song, I want people to not say, 
I don't recognize that song because you got the melody so bad. Like, that's right, what right, I right. want, right? And, and so, like, I'd love to be able to sing. I can't. And it doesn't do me any good to be jealous about other people who sing really well. And I think that when we're jealous of what other people have, when we look at somebody else and we say, man, I really wish what they had, I had what they had, what we're missing out on is the struggles that come with it, right? Mm-hmm. And that, like, all the gifts that I have have come through struggle and development and experiences in my life and things that God has shown me. And, like, if you want to be able to do what I can do, are you willing to go through what I've gone through? Hmm. And and if I want to do what somebody else has done, I don't, I, I can't go through what you've gone through in life. Like, you've gone through your stuff and you've dealt with your things. And God made you to deal with your stuff and giving you the gifts you need for that. And he made me to deal with my stuff. And so when I start comparing, like, I'm only looking at the, the thing that I want, right? Whether they have more money or a nicer car or a this or that. Sure. But I'm never looking at what it took to get there. And, yeah. and you know, if, I, if God needed me to have it, he would have taken me through what I needed to get it. And probably I'm just not cut out to deal with those struggles, so I don't have those blessings. Yeah. I think another kind of thing I was thinking about just talking about this the subject of jealousy is is you know the FOMO stuff the fear of missing out and the yeah the uh the social media kind of stuff and 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 the the lives we present once one on one hand you know we just present these lives that it just like everything's glossed over and painted just right and and we're we're only showing these super positive experiences on social media and then and then we wonder you know why we become jealous of others, right? <laughs> it's true. We're we're kind of obsessing, and and, and we have these kind of unhealthy uh, views of uh, unrealistic. Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, social media is a total jealousy amplifier. Yeah, it's also if you think about it, it's an anger amplifier and a fury amplifier. Yeah, yeah. The social media kind of teaches us to want stuff that not only can we not have, but the person we're looking at on social media probably also doesn't have it, right? Yeah, that yeah. They're putting a, a face forward that, you know, if if you're watching social media and, like, their house is always perfect and their car is always super clean, like, that's just not reality for almost everybody, right? Yeah, and so, yeah. hey, if it is, blessings to them. <laughs> but rea- reality, they're probably filming that in such a way to make their life look perfect. And, and, and then we watch it because that's what the algorithm wants to feed us and that's what we want to see. But yeah, it creates that jealousy. And then they show us content that makes us angry. Oh, can you believe that this guy oh, did yeah. that to that person? But it's like, that was an argument some people had 15 cities away from me. Like, that has nothing to do with me and my life. Sure. And so, uh, going back to something before, why do I have to have an opinion on it? Why do I have to be mad yeah. about it? Now, we should always fight for justice. And when we see injustice, that should awaken us to help our brothers out. But, man, if... if Social media is going to make us angry and furious and jealous. We should be careful about how we use it. Most definitely. And then verse 5, right? Verse 5. Verse 5 I love. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Verse 6. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Oh, yeah. Those are great. Yeah. Yeah. The idea that an enemy multiplies kisses. Like somebody who's always saying nice things to you, even when you don't need to hear nice things right like if you yeah. if you're wrong you, your friend <laughs> says hey man that was wrong like, right you shouldn't do that and if you're right like and if you're wrong and they say hey man you're right to feel like that it, like 
that store robbed you. You should rob them back. Like this, that, that. They're always telling you the right kinds of things. Well, the Bible says that person's an enemy. Mm. And while they're telling you what you want to hear, while you may like them and you might might like the sound of your voice because everybody likes a compliment, it's an enemy. Like they're an enemy to your soul. They're watching you go over a cliff and they're not stopping you. And so... Yeah, and the wounds from a friend, that kind of goes back to the concept of iron sharpens iron again. That's it's right. that uh, you find... You find friends, you surround yourself with people that speak truth into your life and not just what you want to hear. Yeah, from a couple of days ago, right? Willing to say the hard things, even if it means risking your friendship. And and so it tells us to say the hard things. And it also tells you if you're hearing hard things, maybe you need to listen to your friends. A fun one at the end, verse 14. If anyone loudly blesses their neighbor <laughs> early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Blessings at at five a.m. I'm not trying to hear that, right? Like bless your household. I love I love that the roosters wake up and give us and the chickens give us eggs. But man, maybe not right when the sun comes up, right? Like I don't need you screaming as loud as you can when the sun comes up. And I wouldn't want my neighbor to do that. I don't want my rooster to do that. I just I I need sleep in the morning and and like let me enjoy if I have to get up at five in the morning. Let me do it in peace. And so I think that's funny. Like, it's just a funny proverb. I wonder what happened to Solomon that morning. If uh, if somebody didn't come into his bedchamber and say, blessings, king. And he's like, I'm trying to sleep here. Like, I got a bunch of kids. I need to get my rest. And uh, But he says, it will be taken as a curse. And I think that it just points us to the idea that context matters. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think of when I wake up my kids in the morning, they always see it as a curse. It's hey, I was a kid too, and I I'm still like I still see it as a curse when somebody has to get me up at five AM. Like I like having things to do and places to be and, and things that I need to take care of because you know it's the it's the meaning part of life. But context matters. Like yeah. if you if you want to make me breakfast in bed on my birthday, like let's make let's shoot for nine instead of six. <laughs> you know? That's that's maybe maybe context matters. Anyway. Uh, that's really all for today. There's a ton in here. I really encourage you to watch, to listen, to read it, um, to go through each one and to think on the ones that um, matter to you. Think on the ones that God is speaking to your heart and chew on it, digest it, and then apply it to your life because the Bible applied is the pearl of great price. It's the great mm. treasure um, that God gives us. So Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you here again tomorrow for Proverbs 28. Yeah, we appreciate you guys joining us.